everyone. I'm really excited today. I am with Wiley Robinson. Wiley is the founder and CEO of Rumple. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Wiley. How's it going? Going great. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just jump right in. Kind of, you know, was being an entrepreneur something that you always wanted to do or kind of how did you go about getting started there? Um, you know, looking back on it, I, I did have a couple of little entrepreneurial journeys when I was younger, you know, like lemonade stand type right. businesses. Um, it was, it was always just kind of like a one and done thing. I never really anticipated, uh, actually building a business, um, mm. and, you know, hiring people and, and sort of looking to the future for growth and things like that. But, um, I guess I was, I was interested in the, um, concept of running a business, but I didn't really understand what it was until I actually did it. So mm, yeah, <laughs> sort of yeah. a loose answer there, but you know, yeah. I was always intrigued by it, but didn't really know the first thing about it. Yeah. And no, I feel like it's one of those things kind of until you're really in it and doing it, it's kind of very different and hard to kind of fully understand it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so kind of with Rumpel, kind of tell us a little bit about kind of getting started there and kind of how you had that initial idea. Yeah, um, I, I originally had the idea, um, I founded the company with a friend of mine, a really good buddy. I used to do a lot of uh, surfing and skiing and mountain biking with this guy. And uh, we were on a ski trip in California and um, we, we got stuck in our car. Our car froze, it was the middle of winter and we had to wait around for somebody to show up and tow us out of this spot we were in. And so we bundled up in our sleeping bags and started talking about how we actually really liked the materials of our sleeping bags better than our blankets back home. Mm -hmm. And we, we asked ourselves, you know, why hasn't somebody made a blanket out of these materials? It makes so much sense. Um, and, and so when we finally got out of there, we, we uh, got back home and we, we went to a fabric store and bought some, you know, nylon and some just generic, uh, some fill, some insulation fill to put in there and sewed up the first prototypes of what would eventually become, you know, the rumple blanket. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was kind of like the end of, of uh, the idea, really. I mean, we just wanted to make these things for ourselves and, and we did that, and so that was that. Um, but a bunch of our friends thought that they were pretty cool and thought that this was a good idea. And uh, this was kind of around 2000, like late 2012, early 2013. Mm -hmm. And this is right around the time that Kickstarter was really blowing up. You know, like a lot of people were getting a lot of attention for, for raising quite a bit of money on Kickstarter. And we thought, well, you know, it's, it's pretty low risk to launch a Kickstarter. It doesn't cost a whole lot to do it. Let's give it a try. So we, we launched the, the product um, on Kickstarter. It was really just originally just the Rumpel blanket. And mm -hmm. uh, the campaign ended up doing about a quarter million dollars in 30 wow. days. And so that was, you know, more than enough validation for us that this was a good idea. And that's really what launched the business. Awesome. It's really cool that you're able to kind of just go from the idea to getting it started and on Kickstarter so quickly. Um, yeah, kind of with yeah. With that, with that kind of initial Kickstarter campaign, how did you kind of position Rumpel as, is it a new idea in terms of like the idea of kind of a sleeping bag, but a blanket and kind of how did you kind of communicate that and help kind of educate the new consumer? Um, well, so quick, quick divergence and then I'll get back to the question. Mm -hmm. The concept actually isn't all that new. There were, there have been companies that have made essentially what is a Rumpel blanket before. And there's a, there's a military product that's been around for years called the Wooby which is okay. essentially the same thing as a Rumpel as well. Um, what Rumpel has done a little bit differently is actually marketed the, the product more to kind of like the everyday consumer. They can, mm -hmm. they can find use case for this thing if they're sitting on their patio or maybe sitting around a fire pit or something like that. The use mm -hmm. case for the product as it, as it came out um, from more established outdoor companies was really for their elite athletes. So if you're climbing you know, a, a Himalayan peak or something, you don't want to remove your boots at night 
you mm -hmm. actually would burrito yourself up in this blanket rather than use a sleeping bag. So that was the use case. And then sort of similar, I think, for, for military use. Um, but uh, the, the, the thing that we did um, that I think was sort of unique uh, in, in the category was explained the material advantages to the customer, um, mm -hmm. first and foremost. So like the obvious thing is that, you know, these, these materials don't pick up debris and leaves and things like that if you use them outside. And that was really unique for a blanket. You know, most blankets, at least what would be considered outdoor blankets, are like wool blankets right. or things that are going to pick up a bunch of debris. So we really, we really put the material story first, okay. and uh, people resonated with that. And it just—I mean, it makes sense. You know, people right. know what sleeping bag materials are. They know what puffy jacket materials are. Mm -hmm. They know that they work really well in outdoor settings. And mm -hmm. and using those those materials in a blanket form factor just made sense to people. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess kind of with the materials being so important, kind of how did you identify which ones to really go with in terms of, you know, I'm sure there are a ton of different options, but kind of when you first mm -hmm. went to that store, kind of we're putting together the first like prototype and kind of how to go from there. Well, frankly, we really knew very little about materials when we, when we picked up our first, uh, our mm -hmm. first batch to do these prototypes. Um, and we were kind of just basing it on the hand feel, you know, what, what the material felt like. We didn't know anything about tear strength or, or water repellency or anything like that. We liked the look of a ripstop. So ripstop is like a, a, a mesh weave that's woven into the fabric that okay. uh, prevents it from tearing um, mm -hmm. or, or limits tearing. Um, so we liked the look of that more than necessarily the performance qualities of that. We've later gone on to you know, make that a requisite in our products for the, for the strength aspect of ripstop. Um, but we liked how it looked that that little weave that you can sort of see through on rip on a ripstop material was really interesting to us and it was really just about what looked technical what looked mm -hmm. you know like a cool technical shell material and then the the insulation we selected um i mean we knew even less about insulation frankly but the insulation we selected just looked lofty it was it was cheap mm -hmm. um and it had kind of a good feel you know you, you can get a lot of insulations that are quite crunchy Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we didn't know we had done this, but we selected a, a siliconized fiber, um, which gives it more of a sort of a slippery buttery feel, okay. uh, which is important when you, when you, you know, scrunch the blanket up and it just feels more luxurious, I guess, with that siliconized finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of impressive how much you've like learned throughout the process too, in terms of kind of getting started with it and kind of seeing how mm -hmm. it's changed over the time. Um, and kind of so after that initial Kickstarter kind of campaign, what was kind of next in terms of, you know, at that point, what were you thinking like, oh, this is what it's going to, it's going to grow and kind of take off. And one day I'll be on Shark Tank, like, kind of what was kind of the plan there? Was there a plan? Uh, I mean, there wasn't really a clearly thought out plan. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah. I mean, while the Kickstarter was going well, you know, we got a bunch of, a bunch of good press we had a bunch of retailers reach out to us while we were in the middle of the Kickstarter. So it was clear, you know, early on that there would be interest from, from retail buyers in this mm -hmm. product and, and the consumer interest was high. You know, I mentioned we, we did uh, quite a bit of revenue during that campaign. So we knew that the, the business um, had the opportunity to expand. Mm -hmm. um, we definitely didn't have a clearly laid out roadmap by any means mm -hmm. for that expansion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was yeah. kind of like, take it, take it as it comes. You know, if, it, if a retailer reached out, we'd say, oh, okay, this is a cool retailer. We'll, we'll sell products to them. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, we were going to launch a website and sell products. Right. Um, that was, you know, pretty easy and cheap. I mean, we got on Shopify and mm -hmm. used just an out of the box template uh, to build our site and, uh, you know, loaded up product in there and took some really sort of 
amateur photographs of the product and got it going. Mm-hmm. And I guess, so kind of as you're figuring it out, was there a point where there's like that, like eureka moment of like, oh, we are like, we're really reaching the right people and kind of things are happening in the right direction? Or was it kind of just always like a, some ups, some downs, kind of figuring it out? Kind of what about, was there any like big kind of like light bulb type? Oh, moments? there's, I mean, there's, there's ups, and, there's been ups and downs for seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's going to be ups and downs this week. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just sort of the nature of, of growing a business. I think that's probably, I mean, we certainly haven't, outscaled that phase of business. Mm-hmm. I think that that probably is, is a, a reality of everyday life, no matter what the size of your business is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't call it a eureka moment like we had discovered something necessarily, but when we turned the campaign on, we sent the link to a couple of our friends to just test the campaign. And while we were doing that, some random person bought a blanket. Oh, wow. that was the first sale was made mm-hmm. like when we were in you know early we launched it at midnight or something because we mm-hmm. wanted to, to start the start the following day with a you know fresh campaign. Everything worked, mm-hmm. and before we could do our testing, some random person bought a blank, and that was pretty cool. I mm-hmm. do remember that happening, and yeah. and we thought it was an error at first. We we're like, what the hell? Somebody yeah. bought one. So that was really cool. And then I mean, we hit our goal in for for Kickstarter. We hit our goal in you know I think it was like two days or a day or something. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was clearly just really a big deal for us as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there've been, there've been ups and downs throughout the journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's kind of all, all part of the process and kind of there, it's kind of how it always goes. Um, with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess kind of talk about a little bit like your experience on shark tank. Um, I know personally it's like one of my favorite shows. I was just kind of having it on and seeing it. Was that something like, did you intentionally kind of, was that a goal of yours to get on the show? Is that something like, how did that part kind of come to be? No, no, it, it was something I was actually really not interested in for years. Um, Shark Tank, uh, you know, I've, I've obviously been aware of Shark Tank and that mm-hmm. it's a channel to, to increase brand awareness and, you know, potentially get some investment. But um, I've, always, I've always shied away from it for Rumpel because the companies I've seen do well on the program usually are companies that have some sort of a protectable product or service. You know, like they've got mm-hmm. some intellectual property that, you know, they come in, they're holding the patent so the sharks can see the patent. Right. And Rumble has nothing like that. I mean, we have our, our logo trademarked, our name, we have a couple of the technologies we've developed trademarked. Okay. But generally speaking, anyone can make a product very similar to ours. So I thought that that would be like a major, you know, problem for the, for the sharks. And they would mm-hmm. say, well, why would I invest in this? Anybody can do it. And, and, you know, to some extent we had that conversation. It didn't, it didn't make it into the episode. Um, but uh, that was always sort of my, my reluctancy for doing it. And Shark Tank had reached out to Rumpel several times in the past. Oh, really? Um, to, yeah, to, to be on the show. You know, they, they have a recruiting and a casting mm-hmm. team that, that looks around for interesting businesses that are good fits for the show. And, and they had reached out a couple times in years past. Um, and I had said, you know, this isn't really the right time for us to be on the show. Um, mm-hmm. This year, it was just like, you know, the show had grown. Rumpel had grown quite a bit. I, I got word that... Um, that Shark Tank was a really family-oriented show. A lot of people like to watch the show with their kids because, you know, their kids think it's cool to be an entrepreneur and parents love that. So mm-hmm. I just, like, the, the values of the show started to align more with with how I uh, think Rumble should be shown. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it the show has matured quite a bit. It doesn't feel as infomercially. Right. Um, it doesn't, it, for, for lack of a better word, it doesn't feel as cheesy. And mm-hmm. so... Um, I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to get get in front of a big audience, a uh, great opportunity to potentially get an investment from a really strong partner. Um, and uh, that's why I decided this was the time to do it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely is. Um, it seems like that's how I found about you was just kind of watching Shark Tank and I saw the clip and then watched all that. Um, and I guess kind of what was it like negotiating with the sharks? Obviously, I'm sure there's so much more that happens and actually makes it into an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and like yeah. some of the, like that, that part, but what was it like kind of standing there as kind of they're giving you different offers and going back and forth and all that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely really intense in there. I, I do not want to undersell that. If you've got a small business and you, you th- you're thinking about going on Shark Tank, like really make sure you know your shit because it's, <laughs> they're, they are not stopping rolling camera at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's fully reality TV, honestly. Um, so I was in there for 90 minutes. The pitches can last anywhere from about 20 minutes to 90 minutes. I was in there for 90. They edited it down to right. eight or 10 minutes for the showing. So obviously a lot happens that you don't see on camera, but, uh, you know, the, the, the negotiation, the offers coming in, those are all just real time. You got to do the math on the fly. Um, mm-hmm. it is really intense. I mean, there's hot camera lights pointing right at you and, mm-hmm. And the sharks themselves are intimidating. I mean, they're they're really successful, famous people right? <laughs> right, that are, right. that are uh, kind of trying to poke holes in what you're telling them and make you offer. So, I don't know if this answers your question, but it was it was intense. It was definitely intense being on the show and and yeah. uh, thinking about if I should or shouldn't take an offer. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's it, it was an experience I'm really glad to have had. You know, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a really unique once in a lifetime experience. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's so far outside of what I do day to day to to run the business um, yeah. that it was kind of a fun journey to go on, sort of adjacent to just the general day to day of Rumble. Um, yeah, and uh, it's been a really it's it's been really positive overall for the, okay. for the business. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely. Uh, I can only imagine how intense it is kind of standing there, especially for that long uh, with the kind of yeah. always having to kind of be on point and make sure that you're doing the math quickly and ma- make sure the numbers make sense and answering the questions mm-hmm. and all that. Um, mm-hmm. so it's very yeah, cool. it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, Rumpel has raised, um, has raised private money before. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally when I do pitches like that, I start talking about different aspects of the business and that sort of leads to it to a conversation that, you know, might go down one path for 15, 20 minutes or something. Well, while the people I'm pitching to kind of wrap their heads around what it is we're doing with shark tank. It was like, we were on every subject, you know, for like maybe two minutes and mm-hmm. you know, they know that, I mean, they're, they're well-trained, they're experienced being in shark tank. They're not going to run some dialogue for 10, 15 minutes. So they need to, to get to the bottom of, just the basics of what you're telling them in like a minute or two. Otherwise it's just not a, a digestible chunk of content that can right. go into that episode. Right. So um, it was, it was much different than any pitch I've done before. Mm-hmm. And I guess kind of going into it, did you prepare differently in terms of knowing that it was like for the cameras and kind of like that part of it or kind of, was it more similar just, and then it kind of changed once they were, it was kind of, them asking questions. The, the big preparation was really just around numbers and valuation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've never seen an episode ever where the entrepreneur has gone in there and uh, presented a valuation and then got an offer at that valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, there's some negotiating that happens, pretty aggressive negotiation, actually. And so I had sort of a whole spectrum of, of values modeled in my head. If they offer me, a, you know, 500000 at this price, what right. is that, you know, at this equity, what does that equate to? So I had that all kind of modeled in my head. That was really the only major preparation I did. The rest of it is all stuff, you know, I brushed up on, on numbers like our cost of goods and, right. and all that stuff for each product we make. Um, but uh, generally that was the only stuff that I had to kind of memorize. It's outside mm-hmm. of what I would know on a day-to-day basis. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we're kind of running low on time. So just a couple more questions for you. Um, sure. Let's talk a little bit about kind of sustainability and the role. Cause I know that's super important and especially with Rumpel and kind of the outdoors community kind of, is that, is that something you've always been passionate about? Kind of how do you see kind of the role of Rumpel and businesses kind of with that movement? Yeah. I mean, I think any business that's making products should have a sustainability strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for for Rumpel, we're we're largely rooted in the outdoor industry, and our customers want it. So, <clears> from a moral perspective, it's the right thing to do, and from a business perspective, it is as well, because you're going to sell more product if you actually make sustainable products. Consumers are demanding it, mm-hmm. um, and we made the switch to entirely post-consumer recycled content last year, actually, so relatively oh, wow. late in our lifespan. And the reason for that, from our perspective, is we, at the time, weren't able to find recycled content that we felt was as good as the virgin content we were being shown by our suppliers. And I think the the, recycling technology, the weaving technology has improved in the last five years. Mm -hmm. And now the recycled content, I think it's just as good as what you'd get um, that's virgin. And and frankly, the cost is not that different either. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of raw material to turn into uh, recycled polyesters and recycled uh, insulations, polyester insulation. So um, it's 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 easy to do if you're mm-hmm. making outdoor gear. At least in our category, it's easy to do. There's a lot of options. Customers want it. It's the right thing to do from a moral standpoint. So it kind of right. checks all the boxes, right? Like it doesn't right. add a whole lot of cost. It's easy. Customers want it. It's it and it's the right thing to do. So um, it, it's it's pretty pretty obvious that that's how we mm-hmm. would go that's that's the direction we would take yeah our sourcing yeah it makes a lot of sense especially you know it makes sense across the board it's the right thing to do also um and then yeah the last question kind of if you could go back seven years ago kind of when you were getting started with rumple and kind of like that initial kickstarter campaign and in the car with your friend when it's like freezing and all that kind of what would you tell yourself what piece of advice would you give um to yourself seven years ago um <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, Rumble has been a has been certainly a a an incredible experience um, growing this business for me to have. It's it's taught me so much. I've met so many incredible people. But mm-hmm. once the business started and I was really kind of like getting into it, my life changed forever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was a designer before starting Rumble. And my work-life balance was, was pretty well balanced. And, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have email on my phone. I didn't really do much work when I left the office. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like I left work at work. And then mm-hmm. I had my whole sort of personal life. And it, they were very separated. And now it's completely interwoven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that can be incredible sometimes. Um, it can also be really challenging sometimes. Right. It never turns off. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know... For better or worse, like a big part of myself is now harnessed to this business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it's very much wrapped up in my identity. You know, I think that when when I meet people for the first time, it's certainly one of the first couple of things that comes up is, is what I do for work. And um, right. so it's it's been it's been a really amazing journey, but it's like I didn't quite realize at that time, seven years ago, that there's like kind of no turning back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it goes well, it's like having a kid, you know, right. like you can, you, you know, the second that kid comes out, mm-hmm. you're never not a parent mm-hmm. ever again. Mm-hmm. And I know you so, have a one-year-old um, son. Uh, so yeah, I guess kind of, yeah. how do you balance like kind of raising <laughs> business and raising a son kind of like, at the same I mean, time? a lot of people do it. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing special about how I do it, but uh, it, it's definitely, um, 
I mean, it's all integrated in, in my mm-hmm. everyday life. And, and frankly, COVID and working from home has made that a little bit easier. Okay. Um, it's balancing those two things. So yeah. um, that's good. You know, I think it would actually be harder for me if I had to leave him every day and go to the office and come back like for 30 minutes before he goes to bed. So yeah. um, I've, I've enjoyed that part of COVID for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today and really enjoyed chatting and uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me.